0: energy <laughs> energy 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 did you just say rochelle obama Shell, michelle. michelle okay because i thought you said rochelle obama i know i have a <laughs> thick accent <laughs> what's your name sarah <laughs> these people aren't calling me mustang everyone says to me lots people call you Mustang <laughs> and I'm like not twice <laughs> I use my fake name what's your fake name? name. Sally <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, it's Sally. Uh, I'm on my own tonight. Sarah has called in sick, uh, but I actually just think she's sitting at home watching the Ted Bundy documentary on Netflix. Uh, I just watched it too, and it was pretty freaking uncomfortable. Um, I don't actually think it's so scary that you would tweet about it, but it's, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, We have a really good show um, this week, uh, as per usual. Um... But what I did want to mention was uh, I saw on the news this week that um, there was a news article about um, the marriage equality survey that we had here in Australia um, and the toll that it took on the LGBT community. I know I kind of go on about this survey a lot, um, but again, exactly what everyone was saying, you know, just the toll that, mental toll that it took on um, the LGBT community in Australia, um, to have people vote on whether or not we should be able to get married, um, unbelievable, and I think that the government have a lot to answer for, um, so that's my piece on that. Um, this week we, uh, I talked to, uh, I talked to Robin Hammond, um, I don't know if you know about a Instagram account called, um, Witness Change, And that group kind of document human rights violations happening around the world. Um, Robin's, uh, I guess, uh, well, he's a photographer uh, and he goes around the world documenting human rights violations. And um, from that Witness Change account, there's a uh, Where Love Is Illegal Instagram account, um, which is really worth following because Robin has documented, um, you know, trans people, gay people, lesbians, um, everyone, Um, in different countries like, you know, Cameroon and Nigeria and and Turkey and stuff where, you know, being LGBT isn't isn't always a safe thing to be. Um, And some of the stories are really, really heartbreaking. But I think it's really important to know about. So um, I was really, really desperately keen to um, interview Robin. And I did get an interview with him. And I I mean, you're going to hear it in a minute, but he is just such a lovely man and he cares so deeply and um, I feel like, you know, like when you interview people who are amazing and you just sit and think like, oh, I I have done nothing with my life and I help nobody. So yeah, um, he, he really kind of inspired me to, um, I don't know, just be better. It's really worth going on to uh, those pages as well and following them because the stories are just some of them are insane, but they're, they're really, really, I guess it's just what's happening in the world, you know, like, I, I know a lot of us and a lot of people who listen to this podcast are just sort of sitting around in countries where it isn't illegal, where there isn't the death penalty and stuff. But, you know, when you kind of hear about this, this stuff, it just, it just blows your mind. The fight isn't over. And I don't think it will be for a long time, um, but hopefully sharing stories, about Robin, um, we'll get you guys to follow his accounts and that just spreads the news and the word, um, even further. So I really, really hope you enjoy, um, and have a really super cool week. Um, sorry again that Sarah's not here in case anyone uh, is missing her. Um, it's always weird sitting here talking to myself, but, (laughs) um, I've managed it. And just again i'm going to do a plug for my new podcast starting in february uh it's called the Yowie podcast um i don't know i it's about bigfoot australia's bigfoot um i'm i'm a skeptic but i think it's a a pretty big phenomenon that's going on um and my basic premise is if it doesn't exist what are people seeing Uh, because what they're seeing is changing their lives so I'm going to be talking to scientists and psychologists um, and some people that actually hunt for the Yowie. So it's going to be a really, really good podcast, guys. So if you want to follow it, you can follow the page on Facebook. We've only got a Facebook account. Um, So that's cool. Okay. Sorry to do a shameless plug there. Um, But if you like like my sense of humor here, you might like it over there as well. All right. Have a good week and um, tell your friends. See ya. Basically, I just wanted to talk to you about you, um, because I, well, me and a couple of friends um, came across um, the Witness Change Instagram account um, and loved it, Um, and then also where love is illegal, and that's what really got my attention. Um, Right. So, can you give me some background on that account?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I I suppose the first thing I should say is that, you know, I'm predominantly a a photojournalist, but um, my work focuses mainly on on marginalised groups. So I have this um, idea that you know I, I have, you know, I, I was compared to the rest of the world. I was born into uh, quite a bit of privilege, uh, being a, a white guy from a from a from a rich country, and um, I think that I can use that privilege to be able to maybe help to amplify the voices of people who, um, you know, are in less fortunate circumstances. So as a photojournalist, the way that I try to do that is to um, really raise or help to raise or elevate the voices of, of people who live in places or in circumstances where it's difficult for them to be able to do that themselves, and uh, because I have this certain skill set and storytelling and you know, I have access to these great platforms I can help them to tell their stories and then get them out to the, to the world so I do that with a couple of different things but one of the one of the main projects is, is Where Love's the Legal and you know, that focuses on, focuses on um, stories of discrimination and survival in the LGBT community Yeah. Um, and, and that way, and if you like I can, I can talk to you about where that began, is that helpful? Yes,
0: absolutely
1: Sure, well I mean so I have worked in the last 20 years of the vast majority of my work has been on the African continent and I had become aware of this rising tide of uh, homophobia and transphobia on the continent which I think yeah, there's a few different reasons for it but I think one of the main reasons is, is the rise in visibility of equality rights in um, North America and, and Western Europe where, and, and this the the, the the homophobia and transphobia is really coming from of elements who felt, I think, that, you know, th- they, they feared that their their grip on, as, as the moral compass for, for their countries was slipping away, and so they reacted against that, and, um, and they ended up with, a, you know, a lot of bad things happening to to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I, was, I was aware of homophobic statements coming out from politicians, and you know, um, more and more repressive laws being proposed um and then i would see human rights groups sort of you know voicing their opposition to it but very rarely did we ever hear from the people at the heart of the issue the people who were the survivors of this discrimination so i thought maybe that's where i can you know contribute to this as a as a visual storyteller um and the very first time i did that was when i was in in lagos in nigeria i heard about five young men in the north of the country who had been I went up to see them and fortunately their um, case was dismissed but the judge was unhappy that uh, they would be getting away um you know without any sort of sentence so they were lashed with the whip in court and the community were also upset that they were uh, getting away with what they thought should have been a death sentence so they waited outside this courtroom armed with rocks um, mm. you know ready to stone these young men to death and so, so then they had to wait inside the courtroom and the, cou- the crowd dispersed and, eventually they could go home but they were ostracized they were homeless and when i met them you know they were living on the streets they were very very fearful and um you know i was deeply deeply moved by their stories and their situation um and uh in telling those stories um you know i realized that other people had to had to hear them and i think that i had always been a, aware of homophobia and transphobia as a bad thing yeah but it wasn't until i Heard the stories of those people that really connected with me, and, and it became, of you know, it became this abstract bad thing to something that really, really um, severely impacts uh, real people's lives. And so, I thought, you know, by telling these stories, we can we can humanise this issue and make it real for um, for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that Instagram account <laughs> does exactly that.
1: Well, I hope so. The, the great thing about Instagram is, uh, and social media in general, is that you know you can. Reach a lot of people and quite fast. I think. I think the the slightly the, the downside of it is that it's not. Um, there's not a lot of room for uh, nuance or complexity, and you have to you know, tell these stories in a very concise way. But what what we do is we also also refer people always back to our website where we have the stories of the people who we feature, which are written by them. So everyone who I've uh, photographed is up to maybe 200 now, and they've all handwritten their own testimonies, and we we put those testimonies onto our website. So if people want to find out more about those individuals and what they're going through, they can go to the website and mm. you know, read their full stories.
0: What kind of reaction have the people who have been photographed had, I guess, to being on the Instagram account?
1: Well, it varies. I mean, for, for, for some of them, they, you know, they, it's difficult for them to get access to social media. So, um, they, you know, all of them know what social media is and, and, um, and this is, you know, a big part of the process is making sure that they're aware of where these images might appear because you know for some people uh their their, their story poses a risk you know that yeah. they could be faced further persecution so we are very very careful to make sure that they that they that they get you know where these uh images and their stories might appear um you know in some places it's, it's uh i think um amazing you know they, they they we get a lot of really positive feedback uh, from people who feel that you know the narratives of their lives have been controlled by people who are fundamentally hostile to who they are and here for many of them for the first time they get to, to um, they have a, a big say in, uh, in uh, how they're seen and how they're heard and I think that um, it can really liberate for, for a lot of people and, and, and in fact um you know, to such an extent that we decided that you know we, we shouldn't restrict it to the, the stories that I'm telling. We open up the account and let anybody who wants to tell their story of survival to, to share to share on um, our social media account and on our website. So we actually now have a lot of people from all over the world sharing their own stories. Um, and sometimes those stories are happy and sometimes those stories are, are sad. Um, but I think that what's really great, I think, for, for those people is that it's just an opportunity for them to have some agency over... You know how how they're heard and how they're seen, um, which I think is a really positive
0: thing, yeah, absolutely. have some control over their lives in, right. in that way, yeah, what do you think about um LGBT rights now in general, like I guess even in trump's america and and even in Australia, um, you know uh, the clock seems to be winding back a little bit yeah. on on rights, like i mean we can i guess look at countries like africa and say oh they're so backwards in that regard but i think for me sometimes i feel like we're we're just as backwards in a way
1: well yes i think it's it's really sad i i always used to think of um you know rights as being ever expanding and never thought that they could contract or go backwards and but that's what we've seen right we've seen i think with the rise of populist governments that um you know minorities in general whether it be um, LGBT groups or uh, refugees or anyone who's like a, an other you know uh, is, is an easy scapegoat for for populist government so yeah I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's really sad and I think but I think also that you know and, and we should be aware that there, that there is progress you know I think there is you know India have just uh, you know made some massive progress with, with their with their um, homosexuality laws yeah. and i think that uh you know that's massive that's like you know close to a billion people you know live in that country so there's 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 for a lot of people there's a there's great progress but um yes i think this it's um continues to be a scary time for for a lot of people and um i think we should also just be aware that uh even even in countries that we you know perceive perhaps as being the most progressive even within those countries there are groups that have, have still you know not Seen the um, the benefits, you know, if, if you look at trans people of colour in the US, whose average life expectancy is like thirty five, yeah. or um, homeless youth, of which by some accounts forty percent of homeless youth in the US are from the LGBT community. So there's there's these, you know, it's fantastic that there's uh, marriage equality for same-sex couples, uh, but then there's a massive, you know, number of people within the spectrum of the LGBT community who um, haven't seen much benefit yet, and I think that you know, we're, we're we're still waiting. And so, to see that actually in, in many countries uh, it you know it going backwards, and it's even harder for them to to reach those goals is, is definitely is definitely a sad thing. But I think also that's why we feel the work of telling personal stories is, is important because we want not only is it important in terms of people being able to have some control over how they're heard and how they're seen, but we also want to make very very clear to people the true impact of homophobia and transphobia. It's not just like, you know, a bit of annoying light, light bullying. You know, it yeah. fundamentally changes people's like People are killed, like every single day people are killed. And sometimes people are killed in very, very violent ways. But also, in many places in the world, to be LGBT is to be pushed into the margins of society. It means uh, difficult uh, accessing education, jobs, healthcare. And, you know, and I personally know people who have died because there is no safety net for them anymore, where they where they can't get housing, they can't get care, and, you know, they die of very, very preventable diseases because, fundamentally because there is a stigma about, you know, who they are and who they love. Um, and it's, it's tragic and it's happening every day and it's happening quietly and we don't see it, um, but it's very, very real.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's why projects like yours are so important um, in, in raising that those issues and and like I don't know, giving volume to those voices.
1: Well, I hope so. I mean, it's you know, it's sometimes it's hard to um, it's hard to know the the the, the direct impact of um, of this week. You know, we, we we really want to be able to have this measurable change. We would love to see from the work that 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 we're doing the needle move, but. Um, Sometimes it's hard to measure, but we also have to keep reminding ourselves that there is value in just having the voices of people heard. Because I do believe that all the um, main changes in society or around human rights have have come from you know where people who are the survivors of abuse have been able to um, tell their stories. And I think that storytelling is, is a massively important way of how we relate to each other and relate to ourselves. And I just look at my own country in New Zealand, the stories that we used to tell uh, each other as kids about what it is to be gay or lesbian or or trans are fundamentally different. And I think it's, it's the exposure, uh, in some ways the normalization of, of being LGBT, but also just, uh, you know, the. the, the apparently the, the most effective way of, of uh, having somebody uh, be more open to LGBT community is by having them know somebody from the LGBT community and maybe I, I would like to think that having people read these stories is some way some step in that direction to them having to feel like they know somebody who's um, who's from the community and hopefully have more understanding and become more accepting.
0: Yeah absolutely I know I mean even like talking about kids in that my. Might- I have a six-year-old daughter and she was watching a cartoon the other day and one of the characters in the cartoon had two dads. And I said, ah, you know, this little Johnny's got two dads. And um, even her reaction to me was, um, yeah, mum, that's okay. Like, so you kind of see this difference now of, of it, that's fine, why wouldn't he have two dads yeah. type thing. So, yeah, I'm kind of loving that, that narrative, I guess.
1: Yeah, that is I mean that is amazing I, I, my my fear is that that's still accessible to a, a, a minority of people right so mm. you know that, that, and, and I think even even you know sadly kids are, are also growing up in families whose whose parents will be saying well that's not quite right uh, yeah yeah so I think there's still obviously a lot of work to do <laughs> yeah. um, but no at least that exists. And, uh, and, and I think that, you know, it's like – and I totally hear what you're saying. You know, there's, there's so many kids now who are like, whatever, you know. Like, yeah,
0: like that's not even a thing. Like, and then you, you end know. up defending your the, – the way that you pointed it out. It's like, no, no, I'm not a homophobe. I'm just yeah, saying. I, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's – yeah, and it, it, I, I marvel kind of at it. And then, you know, on the other hand, I sort of get – uh, quite upset about some of the stuff that I mean especially in Australia recently that's been happening from the marriage equality survey which I won't even get started on um and then to recently the religious freedom review so and do you find that it is sort of those it's sort of religion that kind of tips the, the feeling of LGBT people into that category of but you know we're we're going to kill you or chase you out of the country yep. I think, you know, I,
1: it's, I mean, it's. it's it, I don't want to peg everything on religion, yeah. um, but I think that um, you know, people so, so you know, I, I'm a National Geographic contributing photographer so I get to share this work on a National Geographic Instagram account, which is amazing because there's 19 million followers on yeah. that account. But that means, you know, there are people there who are going rarely to see polar bears and penguins and then they see an LGBT couple, so the what's great about that is that we're not necessarily preaching to the converted um but what also means that we get a very wide range of reactions to the work and, and some of the most regular yes are people who want to you know talk about uh, what it says in the in the quran or in the bible about about being gay and the most uh, the most popular uh if there's one reaction we get more than anything any other is um i need to remember how it goes it goes um it's it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Which is <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I know. I just think it's just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing how often, we, how often we see it. You know, it's, yeah, it's very, very, very clever. Um, but yes, we do get a lot of um, a lot of people who, who I think you know use the Bible as justification for dis- for for discriminating. Of course, they don't they don't talk about you know how uh, open and accepting jesus was for example you know and and i think that if they if they are true christians which means you know to follow in the footsteps of christ then i think the last thing they should be doing is is judging anybody but um yeah well. but of course you know i think that you know people are going to be there's going to be bigots right and mm-hmm. i think that i think that you know it's just a convenient way of uh, of justifying justifying their, their bigotry
0: yeah what's one story that stands out to you of, of all the stories that you've covered what what's one story that sort of sticks with you
1: um, um oh, yeah there are there are there are many i suppose you know um what's one i think of a lot i think you know i, I guess one, one of the ones i think of a lot is is of a um a young man i met in south africa and we we, we he, he chose to hide his face and and change his name and and, you know for the photograph and story that that uh, we told um and so he asked to be called b and he was a young man living in in cape town or in one of the slums outside cape town he was incredibly poor and he'd come from kenya and he um you know he told this amazing story of of um meeting the the man of his dreams on the on a beach in mombasa on the coast of kenya and you know of, of he said um uh, his expression was it was it was it was a first sight love is what he called it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and then he talked about how you know because in many African cultures, there's regardless of whether it's recognised by law, there's still a tradition of wanting to acknowledge the relationship through some kind of marriage ceremony. So he spoke about you know his his apprehension of of um, introducing his boyfriend to his family because they wanted to do this marriage ceremony. And then he spoke about um, having this engagement party, and as they were arranging it, about the mob that gathered outside, and then having to run away from that mob. And he and he told me, and uh, you know, by this time he's telling me this in, his, in this tin shack, which is a you know, tiny place, and he's and he's crying, and he's telling me about you know his partner and how they ran away from the mob, and how his partner got caught, and how his partner got stabbed in the chest, mm. and about how he had to had to flee. Um, Kenya and ended up in South Africa because South Africa has this amazingly progressive constitution, but sadly um, many South Africans don't accept uh, same-sex relationships, and uh, and he found himself, you know, in, in a lot of trouble in South Africa. And um, anyway, he he was really upset because he was really living on the margins of society. He was he couldn't afford his rent and would be evicted within days, and he really saw, you know, no future for himself. And then um so we told his story and then uh a few weeks later i was told by uh the person i was working with there that that b this young man had died and uh he died basically because of you know as i said before he had uh you know bigotry made him too poor to access the medical care that he needed and this friend of ours he he said look there's um nothing to remember me by except for his story you know can you please tell us so that we can remember him even if it's only a sad memory so whenever i can i try to tell the story of b just to um you know because it's not a dramatic story of of violent abuse but it's the reality of i think what so many people face um when they are brave enough to to um come out and uh and and you know be who they are uh meant to be so i think that you know B's that was like five years ago and i think often still of of being and i think you know the man he should have been if uh he wasn't um you know the the victim of of homophobia
0: yeah sorry i'm just i feel very emotional about that story
1: well and and i often still and i still do and i think that you know what what i I find you know what i find difficult is is that i think his stories you know his story is one of millions you know and 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 often it's not you know when when i travel around and 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 tell these stories people do tell me very horrendous um you know state-sponsored um torture and and but actually the 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 stories that i think sort of hit me the hardest are ones where you know um where people are uh other 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 victims of of, of bigotry by the people who are who are closest to them, or, or maybe not the dramatic stories, but you know, the ones that really you can, you, you know through their telling is something that you know there's many many others are in that same circumstance. And um, yeah, I you know as I, as I tell you that story, I can I can I can see B very very clearly in my mind, and um, and 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 yo, and, you know, and the, the echo of his friend who who said you know let's just try and keep telling B's story, even if it's only. You know, if it is going to be a, be a sad story because there is nothing else. He's gone, and there is nothing to remember him by. So, um, oh yeah, I'm sorry.
0: yeah, the yeah. no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, i um, just like, oh my gosh, that's it's so yeah, it's it's so sad. It's just, it's, yeah, it's really. Yeah. How do you I find mean, these people to talk to, though?
1: Well, in every country I go to, there's there's, there's often a um, either a, a formal non governmental organisation or. You know, there's, there, there will be some people who are, who are trying to, in some way, make things better for, for the community. So I always try and work with a local LGBT organization. One, because it helps me to get, you know, access to, to people, but also because, you know, I'm an outsider. What the hell do I know? I could be doing things completely wrong and I could be putting people in danger yeah. uh, or get myself in trouble. So, um, it's always important to me to work with people who can help guide me, um, and it's one of the first things I, you know, I say when I meet them is, look, you know, I may have done this in many places, but I also understand very well that uh, each context is very, very different, and you need to guide, and you need to help, me, and you tell me if I'm doing something wrong. And the last thing that I want is to leave and find out that I've got someone, you know, in trouble because of what we've been doing. So, yeah, I always work with with local organisations wherever possible.
0: Okay, and have you ever been in danger yourself? Um,
1: I mean. I mean, I, 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 not, not in this work. This work is, um, is, been. Uh, I, I, play this very, very carefully when I'm, when I'm doing this work because, um, I feel very responsible for the people whose stories that I'm telling, and I know that, as bad as something that might happen to me, um, I mean, the worst thing that would happen to me is maybe I put get put in prison, maybe I get deported, but. I'm working with; they, that they can be killed. Yeah. So um, we're really. So I often I say we because I'm talking about my organisation. You know, and I often tra- travel with you know my assistant and we have a translator sometimes. And so we we, we there is a small group of us. But you know when we going to into a country, especially um, an African country, you know we can quite we can be quite um, conspicuous. And sometimes what happens is, is people uh, refuse to meet. Understandably, refuse to meet. In their own homes because you know that would just draw attention from neighbors um but we always like i always prefer to photograph and people people in their own space one so they feel more comfortable but also so that uh in the photographs we get some idea of um of who they are and, and, and their own living space
0: mm.
1: but sometimes that's not possible and, and the work that i did in lebanon for example which was with mostly syrian refugees who were running away from isis and you know who, who were you know throwing gay men and trans women off the tops of buildings and executing people because of their sexuality or gender identity, you know, um, they were really in fear and so often they would come to me inside the NGO who I was working with rather than me going to their, going to their place because, you know, they worried that I could get them in trouble. Um, so no, I, I haven't been, not in, the, in this work, I, have, I haven't faced any, any major difficulties.
0: Okay. Yeah. What does the future hold for, um, where love is illegal? Uh, next week, I go to Kathmandu, um,
1: and I'm going to be doing work in Nepal. Um, I think, you know, the, the got, we really want this to be a, a, a global campaign. Yeah. So the, the more countries that um, we can get to, the better. Um, I'm going to be doing a big chapter of the work in the U.S. in the beginning of next year, um, which is really important for us because, um, one, as, uh, you know, there's definitely major challenges uh, in the U.S. and definitely still places where, where love is illegal there um, and where people you know, face discrimination on a, on, a, on a daily basis. But also, I think from a campaign point of view, um, it's really important because I don't want people to think that what we're saying is that in the global south, it's bad, and in the global north, it's good. Mm. That's clearly not the case. Yeah. I think it's, you know, one of the reasons we want to do this in the U.S. is, you know, we want to go to the richest country in the world to be saying, you know, uh, everywhere in the world, sadly, discrimination is uh, is continuing, um, and you know, it's it's uh, there's it's, it's no time to take the foot off the off the pedal, and I think that for um, for allies and for those within the LGBT community who have maybe reached some form of um, level of of comfort or, or or safety, I think that you know just because we're in that place you know we should not be um supporting those people who are in in uh, in difficult uh circumstances and you know i i really do believe that uh none of us are free until we're all free and i think that goes yeah. for the, you know for, for our enti- entire society
0: yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree with that i think that's a really nice place to end actually okay thank you so much for coming on
1: no it's it's, uh, it's a pleasure i'm um, i thank you for the opportunity
0: thanks i'll be thinking about b's story i think tonight <laughs> yeah
1: right well you know thank you for doing that you know i think that um there's uh there's one way of, of keeping his his story alive is, to, is just to keep talking about
0: him. yeah yeah absolutely thank you again pleasure see you later all right cheers. bye